Today we're going to be talking about three secrets for spiritual growth. Three secrets for spiritual growth. Now, what is spiritual growth? Well, spiritual growth begins when a person is born again, when they commit their life to Jesus. And when a person is born again or a person is saved, they um, are born, the Bible says, as a spiritual infant or a spiritual baby. In a spiritual world, uh, they are just com coming into it as, as a baby being born again. A person who is not born again or saved uh, cannot grow spiritually because they're not alive spiritually. You become alive spiritually when you commit your life to Jesus Christ. And so God's plan and God's purpose for every believer, for every spiritual infant or baby is for them to grow, for them to grow and mature, for them to grow spiritually. And spiritual growth will cause that spiritual baby to grow to spiritual maturity, or we might even say spiritual adulthood. And so to understand these spiritual principles, we need to look at the difference in the natural. What is the difference between a baby and a mature adult? There should be a difference, right? should be a difference. So a baby is completely dependent on their parents. They can't feed themselves. They can't clothe themselves. They can't take care of themselves. They're completely dependent on their parent. They're helpless. Now, there's nothing wrong with a baby being in that stage as they are born into the world. That is God's plan. But if they stay that way, if the months and the years go by and they remain in that infant stage, then we know that something is very wrong. They're not growing normally. They're not developing. The same is true for spiritual babies. They need to grow up. If they don't grow up, if they don't mature, then something is wrong. Ephesians 4, verse 11, you can follow along in the white page, the outline in the middle of your bulletin, if you like. It says, he gave, God gave, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so God made provisions for spiritual infants or spiritual babies to grow spiritually. He placed them in the church, which here is called the body of Christ. And in the church, there are those who are there who can help, who can parent, as it were, people who are new to the faith, people who are spiritual infants so that they can grow and be built up. Verse 13 says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So in this verse, we see the goal. God's goal for every believer to grow from being a spiritual infant to mature adulthood. And how do we tell if somebody has reached mature adulthood? Well, we measure it against a standard. And the standard is the stature of the fullness of Christ. How closely are they coming to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus in the way they think, in the way that they act, in the way that they talk, in the things that they do. And so we are, since none of us has 
reached the full stature of Jesus Christ yet. We continue to grow to spiritual maturity all through our lives. Ephesians 4 verse 14 says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So here we see the downside. If somebody doesn't grow spiritually, if they remain a a child, what's going to happen to them? Well, they are going to be tossed to and fro by all kinds of outside forces, all kinds of outside thinking. They're not going to be stable. They're not going to be secure in their walk with God. And so that's not good. So God wants us to grow from being children to being mature adults. Finally, he concludes this passage. He says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And so we are to grow spiritually. That's God's command. That's God's desire. That's God's intention for every believer is for us to grow more and more like Jesus. If you want to know what is your goal in life is to become more and more like Jesus. Physical development for a human baby, a physical baby, is, is more or less automatic, right? You feed, the, you feed the baby, you take care of the baby, and they just tend to grow. They tend to mature. And so many people think that spiritual growth is automatic. Well, the longer... Uh, Some people think the longer you've been a believer, the more mature you must be. But that's not true. A person can be a believer for 20 years. I picked that out of my hat. It could be longer or shorter, but you may still be a spiritual infant. Spiritual growth for a believer is not automatic. How can it happen? How can a person born again not grow spiritually? Well, it can happen if a person does not follow Jesus' directions for their lives. So why does every believer need to grow spiritually? First of all, God commands it. He tells us to grow. We just read some passages. We need to grow up. Secondly, if you're not growing, You may well be going the opposite direction. You may be dying spiritually. God wants us, if we're alive, if we're healthy, to grow, to develop, to mature. Spiritual growth draws a person closer to God. It brings blessing into our lives. And the difference between a child and an adult is that an adult can help others. And so as we grow spiritually, we are no longer so dependent on other people helping us We come to the place where we can help others. We can teach others. We can help others grow in the Lord. So today we're going to be looking at some teaching by Jesus on what I call three secrets of spiritual growth. So let's look at the first secret for spiritual growth. We need to choose the one thing necessary, and we'll explain that as we go through this story. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet 
and listened to his teaching. So Jesus came in his travels to the home of two sisters, Mary and Martha. The two sisters had different priorities in Jesus' visit. And we see here, first of all, about Mary. Mary chose, when Jesus came into the home, to sit down at Jesus' feet and listen to the things that he was teaching. That was her priority. That's what she chose to do. She wanted to learn from the things that Jesus was saying. Martha, on the other hand, in verse 40, Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, that's Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So Martha, on the other hand, she wasn't sitting. She was not content. It says she was distracted, uh, concerned about all the things she had to do. We don't know, but it could well have been that Jesus was not at that house by himself. Perhaps some of his disciples were there as well. And so she had, you know, a, an occasion to put on. There was food to be made, places to be set, uh, all these things that she felt had to be done. And so Martha's priority was on getting all these things right to serve the guests that had come to her house. And the fact that Mary was not helping her at all really aggravated Martha. And so she did, which uh, usually doesn't work out very well. She told Jesus what he should do. It's just not a good thing, you know. Uh, and we, we need to uh, remember that. I mean, she actually commanded Jesus, tell her then to help me. And we'll see that Jesus did not respond uh, to her request. What did Jesus do? Well, verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And so Jesus made it clear what was wrong with Martha's attitude. She was anxious and troubled about many things. She shouldn't have been. Jesus told her only one thing was necessary. Everything else was optional. And Mary had chosen the one thing necessary. Mary had chosen to make listening to and learning from Jesus her priority. She had made it her priority to, to further her relationship with Jesus. That was the most important thing. And Jesus was not going to take her away from being close to him. And so the thing that we can learn from this story is that the one thing that is necessary for us and all the things we could be doing in the world, the most important thing is our relationship with Jesus. Listening to him learning from Him, building our relationship with Jesus Christ. There are many things in our world today that can leave us anxious and troubled. We have a lot of things to do. Life is very busy. These things seem really important. In fact, many times they seem as the most important things in our lives, but they really aren't that important at all. Our first priority should be to build our relationship with Jesus. To listen to him. Yes, we have other responsibilities. Yes, we have other things to do. But they are secondary to 
the one thing that is essential, the one thing that is necessary. And Mary did that by sitting at Jesus' feet, sitting in his presence, listening to him. And so the first things in life that are a priority for us should be done first. They should be done daily. How do we today sit at Jesus' feet? How do we learn from him? Well, as we go on with Jesus' teaching today, he's going to tell us how to do that. Will there be time for getting all the other things done in life that we need to do if we put our relationship with Jesus first? Yes, the answer is yes. Everything that God wants us to do will get done as we put Jesus first. And we listen to what he has to say because he's going to give us direction in the things that we are to do with our life. If today you're anxious and troubled, or some days you may be anxious and troubled about all the things you have to do in life, then which sister are you like? Uh, This applies to men too. You're like Martha. And God is saying to you, Whoever you are, don't be troubled. Don't be distracted by all these things. Only one thing is necessary. The most important thing is your relationship with me. Put it first. And how do we do that? We begin to spend time with Jesus every day. We make an appointment on our calendar to meet with Jesus. We set aside time in our day to be with him. Not distracted by other things. Focusing on Him. Not just a minute or two, but a significant amount of time. And as you do that, it's going to affect the rest of your day. Jesus is going to be with you throughout the day. And as you do that, you're going to see your anxiety and worry level decrease and your peace and faith level increase. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. And it's something that you can grow in for the rest of your life. Now in the next secret, Jesus is going to tell us the one thing necessary. How to do the one thing necessary. It's it's about prayer. It's about praying daily with the Father. Moving on to Luke chapter 11 verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So Jesus modeled for his disciples how they should be living life. He modeled for them how they should grow spiritually by example. And here is one occasion of many in the Gospel of Luke where it says that Jesus prayed. He went aside, he prayed in a certain place. It sounds like this was by himself. He prayed to his father. He spent time. And as I've often said, if Jesus, the very son of God, the sinless son of God, took time in his busy schedule, he had to take a whole lifetime and compress it into three years of ministry. If he had time to pray, then you and I can find time to pray as well. And so the disciples saw Jesus praying And they said, hey, we need to learn how to do that. We want to be your followers. We want to be your disciples. Teach us how to pray. Jesus said to them in verse 2, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come. And so this prayer that Jesus taught is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. It's a, a bit shorter in the Gospel of Luke than it is in Matthew, but the essence is still the same. The Lord's Prayer is really not meant to be repeated over and over and over again. And you get more blessing if, you know, five times is so much blessing, ten times is more, a hundred times is, you know, it's, it, that's not what it's meant for. Yes, you can pray it if you pray it from your heart. It's meant to be a framework. It's meant to teach us how to pray. There's many other things that God wants us to pray about in life, uh, specifically that, of course, are not mentioned in the Lord's Prayer. And so what do we see from this first part of the Lord's Prayer? It meant that our prayer should begin, our prayer should focus not first on our needs, which is what we tend to do. It should focus on God. It should focus on our Heavenly Father. We relate to God as children. We are His children. He is our Father. The first thing that we are to say is, well, let me just say, we pray to the Father and we pray in the name of Jesus. That's basically the form of prayer that Scripture tells us to, to uh, pray. If you pray to Jesus, that's okay. But normally we pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And so this prayer is addressed to the Father. It's how we should pray. And secondly... It's about the Father. We are to pray that His name be hallowed. Now, we don't use that word a lot, hallowed. It means that His name be honored, that His name be glorified in our lives and by people around us. That should be one of our goals and purposes in life, that God's name be honored or, or hallowed. We pray for that. We live for that. Secondly, that His kingdom would come. Now that can have many meanings. I believe it's for his kingdom to come now. In, the, in, the, in Jesus' ministry, wherever he went, he said, the kingdom of God is drawing near. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom, when he, wherever Jesus went, the kingdom, the power of the kingdom was being expressed. And the same should be true in our lives. And we pray for his kingdom to come in and through our lives. And ultimately, it's going to come and fullness when Jesus returns. So this first, the first um, line of the prayer that Jesus is teaching, he's teaching us to put God first and foremost. And then we move on in verse 3 to pray, give us each day our daily bread. So the first thing we see about this is you know, should prayer be once a month, once a year? Well, it's quite clear here that this prayer should be prayed at least on a daily basis, right? Give us each day our daily bread. What is our daily bread? It's whatever we need. It's the things we need to sustain us in life. It's what our needs are. We pray for our daily bread. Obviously, it's, it's food to eat, but there are other things as well that are part of our daily bread. And this, uh, as we look at all Scripture, our prayer certainly should be on a daily level. Apostle Paul tells us to pray continuously, to pray throughout the day. But I believe there's a time to set aside just between you and God when you're not distracted, you're not at work, you're not with other people around you, to 
there's a special time that we should have each and every day. And so as we pray for our daily bread, we trust God to meet that need. We believe that He is going to bring that into our lives. Verse 4, we are to pray, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Oftentimes we stop. Well, oftentimes we just do the second part, right? You give us our daily bread. You know, this is the stuff I need, God. We forget about honoring the Father, and we forget sometimes about confessing our sins. Like, I really haven't done anything bad for months, you know? I mean, what do I have to confess? Like, well, just ask God, and He will reveal to you attitudes, thoughts, words, actions. Our sins are not only the things that we have done wrong, our sins are also the things we should have done right that we didn't do. So that greatly expands uh, what we can confess to God. Every day we repent and confess our sins. And it also has in this phrase of this prayer, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us or who has sinned against us. And elsewhere, Jesus makes it very clear, if we don't forgive others who have hurt us, then God's not going to forgive us. So we need to forgive others. We can't say, I can't forgive this person. If you can't, for well, that's not true. You can forgive everyone. So you don't want to forgive if you don't forgive. And if you don't forgive someone else for what they have done to hurt you, even though it's very wrong, then God will not forgive you. And Jesus makes that very clear in the Gospel of Matthew. So it's imperative that we forgive others in order to receive God's forgiveness. And finally, the request is to lead us not into temptation. We're asking for God's protection. That any temptation that comes to us, which it will come, God helps us not to fall into that temptation, to give in to that temptation, that we will resist that temptation. So this second secret of spiritual growth is expands on this one thing necessary to spend time daily building your relationship with the Father. Now, since prayer is so important for spiritual growth, the devil doesn't like it. So the devil is going to do everything he can to get you to stop praying or to minimize the amount of prayer that you do. He's going to make you sleepy. He's going to make it hard for you to get up on time to spend time in prayer. He's going to bring distractions. Even when you're praying, you're going to think of something else to take you away from prayer. He's going to do everything he can to get you to stop. And if he can't get you to stop, he's going to get you to doubt that your prayers are having any effect at all. And once he gets you thinking that way, that, you know, I don't know if this is really working because the answer didn't come when I snapped my fingers. I, I'm not sure this is working and once he gets you going down that road, guess what? You're probably going to pray about something less and less because you're not sure it's going to work. So we need to pray, and we need to pray with faith. Remember, our example was Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, 
building a relationship with Jesus, listening to him. And I, I believe she spoke back to him, perhaps asked him questions because Jesus taught. We see in many of the, uh, many of the occasions he had with other people, people would ask him questions and then he would answer and go back and forth. She was learning from him and that is and should be part of our prayer life. If our prayer life is simply reciting a long list of the things we want, the things we need from God, it's not going to help us to grow spiritually the way God wants us to. So, one of the most important things to learn from the example of Mary is that in our prayer time, we should listen. If in your prayer time you are doing all the talking, and you don't listen to what God is saying to you, something is amiss. If you have a relationship with a friend or your spouse, and all you ever did was talk to them and you never listened to what they had to say, what kind of relationship would that be? That would not make them happy. It would not be a good relationship. And so our relationship with God is the same. We need to speak, but we also need to listen. In fact, we probably should be doing more listening than speaking. But as we do that, we're going to grow spiritually. Our faith is going to grow. Our love for God is going to grow. We're going to be able to trust Him to meet the needs that we do ask Him for. And so the second secret for spiritual growth is to pray daily with the Father. Next, Jesus tells a story. and we're going to, You can read it for yourself. We don't have time to Put the whole story in our notes. It's Luke chapter 11. She tells a story about a man who had a friend arrive at his house from a long journey. And when this friend came to his house, the man had no food to feed him. And of course, hospitality back then and today is important. If somebody comes to your house is hungry, you should have something to feed the person with. He had no food in his house. He was not prepared. And so he went to a neighbor after the friend arrived, and the friend arrived late at night, went to his neighbor at midnight and began to knock on the door and say, hey, I need some bread. I need some bread to feed this traveler who's come to my home. Well, at first there was no answer. He kept knocking. And finally the man inside said, hey, I'm asleep. My family's asleep. Just go away. It's midnight. And the man just kept knocking and knocking and knocking. And finally, the man inside opened the door and gave him a couple loaves of bread just to let him go back to sleep. It was, that's what happened. Now notice, we just went through a prayer where Jesus told us to pray for our daily bread. And here what this man wants is some bread. And he received the bread... Because he kept on knocking. So there's a connection here. We'll talk more about that. So Jesus goes on to say in verse 9, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. And so this principle that we learned from the story and now Jesus is telling us, is that we need to keep asking, how long? Until the answer comes. 
We need to keep on knocking until the door is opened and we receive the bread that we need. In this verse, Jesus speaks of three things, asking, seeking, and knocking. I believe it refers to different levels of intensity in prayer. Asking is just asking, you know, it's a simple asking, and there's a time when you need to seek. Seeking is, is more urgent. And finally, like the man at midnight, he kept knocking on the door, and he would not be denied until the door was opened and he received what he needed. Verse 11, Jesus goes on and says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Well, these next two verses are very important. They're ignored by many who find them difficult to interpret. But Jesus asks two rhetorical questions about a son asking his father for something to eat, either a fish or an egg. And they're, they're forms of food. And no earthly father would give to his child, would give to his son something dangerous, something deadly like a scorpion or a serpent if he asked him for something to eat. And of course the answer is no. No father would do that. So certainly, the moral of the story is that our Heavenly Father, who is far greater, far more powerful, far more loving than any earthly father, would not give something harmful or something evil to his children who are asking him for their daily bread. So why would Jesus have to explain that? It seems like common sense, right? We're going to see in the next verse. He says in verse 13, if you then, who are evil, that's in comparison to God, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So Jesus concludes this entire section of the three secrets of spiritual growth with this really stunning verse. An earthly father is, is evil compared to our Heavenly Father. There's sin in our lives, and yet we would give good gifts to our children, not harmful gifts. And so how much more, Jesus says, will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And so this entire passage that we've been talking about, about spiritual growth, it happens through prayer. And Jesus concludes this this. Uh, these three episodes, these three secrets, with the most important thing that we can ask the Father for. It's not our daily bread. It's the most precious gift of all. The one thing necessary to accomplish God's purpose in our lives is the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is clearly saying that we must ask the Father for the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now you might say, well, don't we have the Holy Spirit when we are saved? Why would Jesus tell us the most important gift we can ask for is the Holy Spirit if He already lives inside of us? Well, the answer is clear. If you read the entire book of Luke and, the, and the, His second volume, which is the book of Acts, when a person believes in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes 
into their lives and they are born again. You don't ask for the Holy Spirit in order to be saved. You simply believe in Jesus. But there's another step to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told his disciples, we're not to that point, it's later on in the book of Luke, he told his disciples to pray and ask God for what he called the promise of the Father, which was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, for the very first time, as the followers of Jesus obeyed him, waited and prayed for the Holy Spirit, asked for the Holy Spirit, God began, or Jesus began to pour out the baptism of the Holy Spirit on those who were praying and asking for the Holy Spirit. And that continued. We see a continuing, um, Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost is going to continue until Jesus returns again. It continued throughout the book of Acts. It continues to this day. Those who ask for the Holy Spirit, believers who ask for the Holy Spirit, are baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive the power of the Spirit in their lives. Now, why did Jesus make it clear right before this verse that the gifts of the Father are good, not evil? Many teach that the power of the Spirit is not for today. Many teach that spiritual gifts are not for today. When I was growing up, it was taught that the spiritual gifts were evil. They were deceptions of the devil. But Jesus says, the Father will not give you something evil or harmful when you ask him for it. Particularly asking for the Holy Spirit. Ask God for the Holy Spirit in your life. And even after you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, I ask God for the Holy Spirit to fill me each and every day. He can continue to fill us up to give us the power to live for Him. So oftentimes when we read the Bible, especially the Gospels, we just take one story out, one section out, and we study it. Today we've looked at three sections, which each one of these is often and I have addressed each one separately. Mary and Martha, that's one story. Lord's Prayer, that's another story. Other teaching on prayer, it's another story. But here we see today how each of these sections go together to give us the full understanding, the full three secrets of spiritual growth. And so to grow spiritually, we need to, as Mary did, seek the one thing necessary in life, first and foremost, to spend time with Jesus. In our time with Jesus, we grow in a relationship. We grow by listening to him and speaking to him. We grow in a conversation. Our prayers should be for God's glory and God's kingdom first. And the things that we ask for should tie in with his kingdom as well. And as we put the things of God first, he's going to meet all the needs that we have in our life. Finally, Jesus makes it clear that the most important gift that the Father desires to give each of his children is the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come automatically. It needs to be asked for. He said, ask for the Holy Spirit. And that gift of the Spirit gives us power to be witnesses for Jesus and spread the gospel 
to our world. If you'd like to learn more about the gift of the Spirit, we have a book on the table in the foyer. It's a great book. I'd encourage you to pick it up and read it if you haven't already. It's called Power for Life. To grow spiritually, you have to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen automatically. No one is automatically born a child of God. It's a decision that each and every person has to make in their life. Three steps to becoming a child of God, to becoming born again. First of all, you need to repent. Turn away from any sin in your life. The Bible says all have sinned. So we know right off the bat that every person on this planet, including you and me, have sinned. We need to repent. We turn away from that sin. Secondly, we need to believe in Jesus. It means to believe that he died, that our sins might be forgiven. Ask for his forgiveness. And commit your life to following him. Believing he rose from the dead three days later. Following him as your Lord and Savior. So we're going to pray right now. And I'd encourage you if you'd like to pray with me. If you've never prayed this prayer before. I'd strongly encourage you to pray it today. If you've prayed it before and you'd like to recommit your life to the Lord. I'd encourage you to do that as well. So let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. And just, I'm going to pray this prayer again and I'd encourage you to pray along with me. You don't have to say it out loud. You can just pray it in your heart. God knows your heart. Say something like this. Father, today, I repent of my sins. I know I've done wrong things. I know I haven't been following you. And I turn away from that. Please forgive me. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. I don't totally understand it, but I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you rose from the dead and you're alive today. Come into my life. I commit myself. I submit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. Thank you for making me a child of God. And Father, today we as believers want to grow spiritually. We don't want to remain children or infants. We, wanna, we want to keep growing to maturity. We want to grow to become more and more like Jesus. Help us to choose the one thing necessary in every one of our days to spend time with you. Time at your feet. Listening to the things you are speaking to us. Through your word and your spirit. And communicating with you. Talking back. And telling you our hearts. The things on our heart. Worshiping you. Honoring you. Giving you our needs. Asking for your protection. Asking for forgiveness. Thank you for the direction that you've given to us. Help our time with you to become an exciting time. A time we're actually learning new things from you. A time that our faith is growing. And finally, Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit, God. 
We need to be filled with your Holy Spirit because your Holy Spirit is the power that helps us to accomplish your purposes for our lives. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. We asked that we might make a difference for your kingdom in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.